0: From the beautiful city of Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey! welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. And speaking of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival, we have got a big event coming up this week. Thursday, August 17th, at the Lemley NoHo7, and we're going to be celebrating our 10th birthday. That is right, 10 years, if you could believe it, for LADFF. We are almost old enough to drink in Europe. This event's going to be a special one. We've got three films from our upcoming 2023 program, which is going to be in September, plus we've got three fan favorites from previous years. But on this episode, we are chatting with Joshua Kopenbarger. He is the writer, director, producer of the beautiful short film Opening Night, one of six incredible shorts playing on August 17th, and Joshua has a great story, and just talking to this dude, you could tell what a smart cat he is just from speaking with him, so we hope you all enjoy this interview with Joshua. All right, we're joined by Joshua Kopenbarger. Thank you so much for being here today, Joshua. Oh, yes. Thanks, man. I really appreciate being here. Thank you for having me. And congrats on the film, Opening Night, and congratulations on getting into uh, LADFF. Oh, thank you. It's an incredible honor to be a part of your festival. Before we get into Opening Night, I noticed you worked for many years in the sports world, sports documentaries. How did you get involved in that side of production? As a big sports fan myself, I'm just always fascinated by sports production and, and all that side of the world.
1: Oh, it's a, it's a crazy story. Um, it's actually my, it's been my primary bread and butter for, as you said, many years. I very much love my job, and every year I still tell myself I want to get out of it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I guess going all the way back to the beginning, I actually did not grow up watching sports. It was not a part of my family thing. I didn't know what a touchdown was. I didn't know what a pick six was. I remember asking a Hall of Famer, what was a pick six? And he laughed at me. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, yeah, so when I was in college uh, back in St. Louis, that's where I'm I'm from, Illinois, and I went to college in St. Louis at this uh, small private university called Webster. And it was 2011. The Cardinals were on a good streak, the baseball team, Mm -hmm. and they won the World Series. It was one of the greatest moments of my life for some reason. I absolutely (laughs) fell in love with the intensity of the game, the broadcast. The players, all my friends, and obviously everyone I knew was all obsessed with with the games. And I'll never forget me being in a uh, Orlando hotel watching the World Series, um, of all places. And uh, uh, Game 6 and David Freese hitting that walk-off home run and Joe Buck's call. Uh, just one of those things that still gives me chills to this day thinking about it but i fell in love with this thing called baseball and i wanted to learn more about baseball and for me to do that i decided to well i'm a journalism major i'm a film major i might as well get my hands down and dirty filming some of it and i joined this minor league baseball team that back in my hometown called the normal corn belters and they uh um they gave The me Normal this, this,
0: Corn Belters? Normal Corn Belters.
1: It was a very interesting name for a minor league baseball team. But they <laughs> gave me this opportunity to be their video production intern. And uh, I created a whole bunch of videos for them. And then I was like, you know what? I just want to go work for the Cardinals, you know, because why not? And uh, Fox Sports Midwest was the broadcaster at the time. And there's this incredibly long internship process that had to go through on getting just a job or anything in And in St. Louis at the time, that was one of the very few paid internships to have in the city. So it was incredibly valuable to to work there. And since everyone's a Cardinals fan too, everyone wanted to work there as well. They only had two spots. And I believe hundreds of people apply every year. I got it by not applying. I found the coordinating producer's cell phone number and I called him up and said, hey, can I have a job here? And he said, show up tomorrow and it's yours. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was it that was it? The old the old fashioned column on the cell phone trick, right? So right. I I was able to get a job with them as an intern and went to the the DS, the CS, the everything. Great season of Cardinal baseball. And then after uh the, um the CS and the Cardinals lost, I think it was the Dodgers at the time, I can't remember. It's been a, it's been a while, but the uh, St. Louis Blues, the hockey team was starting up so uh, again, Fox Sports was the broadcaster for the Blues. So I asked, hey, can I go to a couple of Blues games? I met the director of entertainment over there. And I said, hey, I want to learn more about this hockey thing. He said, oh, well, if you want an internship, uh, show up tomorrow and the job's yours. So I showed up the next day. And I later became the gullhorn guy, did all their commercials, did all their videos for the board, met one of my buddies there who brought me on with WWE. And he also helped me get a job with the St. Louis Rams. And from there, I stuck with the Rams. And when the Rams moved from St. Louis to LA, I was one of the few people they brought with them out here to Los Angeles. So I got to experience the whole NFL move, left my life in Missouri and came out here. After the Rams for about a season, I left them to join Charter Spectrum Sportsnet to do their documentary show, Backstage Dodgers. And mm-hmm. From there, I met one of my good buddies, Lucas, who was the assistant director of opening night. He went on to become bigger in Major League Baseball and essentially brought me on at the Major League level. So working for the commissioner and all that good stuff, traveling around the world, filming baseball, having fun. And now I work at this place called Overtime, which is like an ESPN for Gen Zers, doing their sports documentaries. And yeah, that's pretty much been my, my journey so far.
0: Wow, man, what an incredible journey. It's incredible that you have that incredible career in sports and you came to it late hearing your story about, you know, experiencing the Cardinals win the World Series for the first time. It's just it's beautiful because, you know, a lot of my friends, I have a lot of friends who are into sports. I also have a lot of friends who are, you know, artists and sometimes artists are a little poo poo about sports or sports filmmaking or just sports in general. And I always tell them, I'm like, guys, there's no stories like sports stories. It's just, it's so real. It's so raw. And as you said, just the drama, the intensity, like it's something that you cannot fabricate. Uh, and it's, uh, so I'm I'm glad you, I'm glad you came to it and I'm glad that it's now taken you all over the world. Oh, absolutely. And I agree with you 100%. One of my things that
1: I tell people all the time is, yeah, you're right. I didn't grow up watching sports or whatnot, but sports documentaries is not actually about sports. It's about these human Mm -hmm. trials of overcoming something that's greater than themselves. And, Sports is merely just an avenue of telling that story, and that's why I think I love it so much. Is I don't I don't need to know what every play is in hockey, even though I do now. But like I can right. be able to tell that story though through those avenues, and, and then in some cases too, I feel like being a sports fan, being someone who loves football, or being someone who loves baseball kind of ruins some of the story sometimes because you're so focused on let me tell you more about what happened during this game. I don't care about what right. happened during the game. I care about what happened to them. And I care about what they're going through. And I care about what's going on off of the field and off of the court. You know, that's more of what I like to do. So yeah, that's kind of my kind of my approach to it and something that's really gotten me a lot of uh a
0: lot of what I do today now. So well I could ask you questions about sp- sports and sports documentaries for another five hours, but we will not do that. We'll save that for another day. Let's talk about uh, opening night. So you go from, you know, the sports world and then you transition into making this narrative romance short film opening night. What was that transition like? Oh, I mean, it was actually a lot, a lot
1: easier than you thought it would be because, you know, documentaries um, still share a lot of similar narrative structure in general. So I had always wanted to create narrative films. That's something that Mm -hmm. um, was a passion of mine when I was a kid, something I've always wanted to get into. I just, when I was in college, I got sucked into sports and it became a good moneymaker. And I was like, I don't want to be a starving artist. So I might as well do this for a little bit, get some money and then transition out. And, you know, 12 years later, here I am (laughs) trying to do that. But uh, yeah, so opening night was kind of my my big thing of like, hey, you know what? I kind of want to start start doing this and and whatnot and using my skills that I've learned as a sports documentary producer, cinematographer, editor, use those skills to my advantage and start start doing this. so yeah, I remember uh well, opening night is a true story, first off, based oh. on my life when I was in high school, so the entire film is. Is essentially the story of my first kiss that I had in wow. exploring my own sexuality. Um, I don't really advertise it, but that, but it, but it just is. It's just one of those things where I also kind of felt that whenever you tell, whenever you uh, tell people before they watch, like, oh, this is a true story, that they start like, I don't, I guess, nitpicking. I guess some things on it, like, oh, this this wasn't real or something. But uh, that's why I kind of don't really advertise it. But yeah, it's 100% a true story with my first kiss going on before stage as a freshman actor. Yeah, so that that was pretty much the inspiration behind telling the story, and I hadn't thought about it for many years. I was randomly at a WWE live event in Pittsburgh, PA. It, I believe, it got canceled because it was COVID, and mm. sitting in this hotel and uh, in Pittsburgh, being like, "Oh, I got nothing to do now." and i was I was thinking about, well, this would be a good time for me to like start writing up something just in general And, um, I was pacing around the hotel room, and I can't remember what inspired talking about it, but somehow the the thought of my first kiss came back to mind, and yeah, that's kind of where it all went from there.
0: That's incredible what a what a great you know it's it's funny the way life kind of forces our hands sometimes. You said you like wanted to do narrative. All the time, and sometimes it takes something like the pandemic to say, "Hey, sit down and uh, it's time." You know, it's time for you to to take that next step for yourself. Oh, absolutely. And
1: I uh, I'm someone who really likes to take chances. You know, and that's I think that's pretty evident when I went and called that coordinating producer on a cell phone. But you know, because at the end of the day, you know, if you never try, you know, is life really worth living? Mm-hmm. so I decided I wanted to take a chance with this and it was a pandemic and you never knew I didn't know where it was going to go I didn't know I was actually going to make it in the
0: end I just wanted to just write it and see where it kind of went and so you're traveling all over the place where did you guys shoot this film did you guys shoot it back in LA or you guys shot it somewhere else in the in the country
1: yeah, so it was shot in Los Angeles over at Eagle Rock High School. I really wanted to film it back in the Midwest, but I was just looking at expenses of you know, um, well, how much would it cost and everything, and it probably would have been cheaper. <laughs> but uh, I had some people here in Los Angeles that I really wanted to work on the film. My uh, one of my best friends, Isaac Kimmel, who is my DP, my wonderful DP. Um, he uh, he obviously lives here, so then I have to fly him out, and then uh, his girlfriend, Cassie Howell, was the amazing production designer. And so, you know, it's, it's a matter of flying some people out here. And then I felt like, oh, well, I can just get talent in Los Angeles pretty easily as opposed to getting people just from Chicago or something. And so I kind of decided
0: to make it local here in Los Angeles. But yeah. Speaking of Isaac a- a- and the cinematography, I thought it was tremendous. Very wisely. I think y- you and your DP kind of created this stylistic hybrid of like realism and fantasy. The... um the cinematography almost feels like an homage to the stage. You know, there's like these lighting cues and these this deep saturation. Talk to us about collaborating with Isaac and then how you guys implemented those those stylistic choices.
1: Yeah, I actually knew from the get go what my gimmick was going to be. And I also kind of goes back to the sports documentary side of me. You know, every every story has to have a gimmick in some sort of way. I guess also like the WWE as well. So yeah. walking into it the gimmick was the kissing scene. It's this it's this fantasy scene. He's he's like not not really dreaming about it, but it becomes like this surreal thing. So you have these lights that are going off in the background on um, and it's just this lively fantasy moment. And I was thinking about it more of like, well, it wouldn't really do it justice if you watch this short and it turns into this fantasy moment. What if it built up to that? And mm-hmm. so I kind of took a little of inspiration from like La La Land, where slowly, even throughout the film, as the lights dim down on the two characters, um, and the world around them just kind of just disappears. And then it turns into this giant thing at the end. And so I, I'm a big fan of of building up towards something. So there's so there's these three fantasy moments. One at the beginning that's not really a true fantasy moment It just kind of very small and then it builds up to a bigger one in the second time and then the third one is this full blown out actual fantasy sequence
0: yeah that's an excellent uh excellent approach and it worked incredibly well uh as oh, you mentioned you. the whole film's kind of the whole film's kind of like leading to um a kiss Now, of course, you guys also have to film The Kiss. What was it like? Was the cast nervous leading up to that big moment when you guys have to shoot The Kiss? Were you nervous leading up to that big moment leading up to when you had to shoot The Kiss? Because now, as you said, it's kind of also based off personal experience. What was it like filming that that big uh, climax of the scene, of the film? Oh, yeah, I was definitely alert. I was very nervous
1: filming that. Uh, It was the very first shot. (laughs) Actually, I wanted to, uh, when we went to go rent out the school we had the setup on the stage and it was the one that required the most time to set up so therefore i was like well it's gonna take the most time to do so let's just go ahead and get this out of the way first and get the jitters out for um, my incredible two leads jeremiah and jack and uh, obviously during rehearsal you know i was like you know you guys don't need to don't need to kiss or anything so the first time they were actually kissing was in front of the camera and I was, I was nervous. You know, one of the big things was that I, I guess personally for me, I don't really talk about my sexuality, you know, growing up in this sports documentary world, there's a lot of homophobia kind of in the sports world even today. And so for mm-hmm. me having my yeah. job, I just don't really talk about it. And it's not, it's not something that I personally need to more sort of grow out of and be more expressive towards myself. And I guess in a way, my film is kind of doing that. But a lot of people that came and helped out on my short that were personal friends of mine, even to them, I never really talked about me being gay. And one of them, uh, I'll never forget, he told me like after, uh, after the kissing scene, he goes, Josh, I didn't know you were gay. And I was like, oh, I guess I forgot to tell you. So this was kind of like me literally like coming out like, as well, just even filming that kissing scene, you know, to some people because I always when I was uh, trying to tell some of my old friends like about the film, I actually wouldn't even talk about it being gay. I was like, you know, being gay is only a part of the film. It's not the whole point of the film. And right. uh, and so like I would just like kind of omit that thing like, yeah, come, come join along, come watch it, you know, come help out. And uh, and, and so some of them on set were like, oh, I didn't realize that this is what I was getting into. And I didn't know that you were game like, well, yeah, I definitely am. And and the kissing kind of helped, uh, I guess, uh, break the ice a little bit during all that.
0: I mean, that's I think that's really beautiful, Joshua, that you're able to, like, as you said, kind of come out in a way or to certain people through your artwork. And I think that's through artworks as artists, you know, sometimes we work through Uh, stuff that we're going through or we have to like confront things that aren't so easy for us to uh, to come to grips with or to talk to other people about. And what a beautiful way to do it because it's it's such a beautiful and sweet and uh, heartwarming film. So that's an incredible story, Josh. Oh, thank you. I
1: I really appreciate that. Yeah. And like I said, it's, it's very hard, you know, being a sports video producer and being in that world, you know, there's a lot of athletes who, you know don't really take that lightly and you know i have to work with them every single day so it's mm-hmm. kind of like well you know ev- even the ones who are very supportive i still don't even say anything to because you just never know you know what happens at the end of the day and so i kind of felt that making this short film was just very liberating for me personally so i can be able to express myself in in this way and to be able to say what i wanted to say
0: without really telling or talking to people well, I'm very happy you're able to do that, and we are thrilled to be screening the film at LADFF. Everybody listening at home, come see it with us August 17th at the Lemley NoHo Seven. It's part of our 10th anniversary screening. You could also check it out in September, but you're going to want to see it on the big, big screen with us August 17th at the Lemley NoHo Seven. We're going to take a quick break, everybody, and when we return, Joshua is going to help us out with our favorite segment. Give me three. We'd like to take a minute to talk about LADFF sponsor E-Minutes. E-Minutes is a corporate entertainment law firm that handles the corporate minutes for more than 38,000 entities involved in the entertainment industry. Like last year, they're sponsoring an award with the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival called the Emerging Filmmaker Award. You can learn more about our partnership with E-Minutes Arts and their mission to amplify the voices of underrepresented storytellers at eminutes.com forward slash arts. That's eminutes.com forward slash arts. All right, welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We are here with Joshua Kopenbarger, and he is going to help us out with our favorite segment gimme three the return of gimme three we haven't done it in a while but we're coming back and joshua is going to give us some great picks three films that have inspired him or inspired his work joshua let's get your first one sir
1: yes uh so my first one i think uh has to be kind of the obvious one the call me by your name you know obviously being a being a gay film and everything it really kind of inspired you know Watching these two characters just talk and kind of fall for each other, I know that when I was going through uh, with my DP Isaac on what lens choices we should use, uh, one thing I always kept on referring back to was well, one great thing that I loved about Calling by Your Name was it was all shot on one thirty-five millimeter lens and being mm-hmm. able to show its landscape a bit and 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 be a little bit more intimate. So a lot of this film was actually shot on a thirty-five millimeter lens for for kind of that reason. Um, and then I think it was done on an 85 five two, So, so definitely calling my name is, is the, is the, is the first inspiration.
0: Well, yeah, that's a beautiful film. And I mean that, like that film kind of made Timothy Chalamet, like the movie star that he is today. Right. I mean, like he, he really oh, blew up after that film, incredible performance and an incredible, incredible film. Excellent. First choice, absolutely. Joshua, let us get your second pick.
1: Yeah, my second pick was uh, La La Land, I believe I had mentioned it earlier, you know, that kind of helped, you know, inspire how to do those dream sequences. And going back to working with uh, my DP, Isaac, you know, about how to create these effects of this isolation with just our characters being in this fantasy moment, you know, so that was the big inspiration that La La Land helped inspired with this.
0: Yeah, and I I really liked that film and i had the pleasure of seeing it like a second time at the new beverly cinema um a 35 millimeter projection and um seeing that movie with a film projection was a whole different experience than seeing it even a dcp in a theater the contrast and the colors were just like out of this world what a what a beautifully shot film and shout out to my friend Ari Robbins, who's the, uh, steady cam operator. And one of the camera operators on that film who did just tremendous work on that movie. But, um, yeah, excellent choice. I think an incredible, incredible musical.
1: Yeah. I actually saw that film, um, when it first opened, it was back at the arc light at the, uh, Dome, Dome. And so like being able to watch it on that screen also, I believe that was also on a 35 millimeter print, just, uh, absolutely incredible experience and um yeah and, the, and also the steady cam work was incredible um and really brought those sequences to life too so yeah that, that movie really helped inspired you know kind of a lot of a lot of the things in this film
0: your third and final pick joshua
1: um, my third and final pick is ladybird ladybird kind of helped inspired a lot of the look and kind of the idea of this character who's in, who's in high school and kind of exploring themselves and uh you know ladybird has like this uh has this look of memory hmm I, I know that Greta Gerwig has talked at length about working with her DP about how she wanted it to look like a memory but not have it be too far away and like she I think she expressed that with like holding her hand out and how it was like it felt like it was just right there and so they created this look of these wonderful colors that really help kind of emulate that, and that was something that I, me and my DP Isaac and production designer Cassie Howell, um, really tried to emulate and try to recreate that look um, of that memory, since it is my memory, and also being realistic at the same time. Yeah, so a uh, shout out to Ladybird for that one.
0: I have always I've loved Ladybird. Uh, I love Greta Gerwig. She's like one of my favorite writers working today. I always thought that film looked so unique and had like such a interesting euphoric feel, and I could never like put my finger on what it was that they were doing to accomplish that. And I think you might have just answered my question uh, discussing <laughs> that, like it feeling like a memory, because that definitely is how it looks. Wow, what uh, incredible film! I'm a sucker for a great coming of age story, which is also why I love opening night so much. Um, Three excellent choices, everybody. Check them out. And, of course, check out opening night with us, LADFF, August 17th at the Lemley NoHo7. Joshua, thank you so much again for, uh, for joining us today. Thanks for sharing your story congratulations on the film and we hope that you'll come back on the show and we'll see you at the festival. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun here. Cool, brother. We'll see you soon. All right. There it is. Our interview with Joshua. What a great guy. Great movie. We're going to see him and we're going to see you on August 17th. Lemley NoHo7. Get your tickets at LADFF.com. Stay tuned for more episodes of Film Forward because we're going to be covering LADFF, the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival, because we've got even more events coming up in September. So if you like what you heard today, click that subscribe button, leave us a review. It really, really helps us out. And just stay tuned for everything. As I mentioned, LADFF.com. You can get your tickets to our August 17th show as well as uh, our September events. We want to thank you all for listening to Film Forward. And we'll catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.